Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the clock. about we're thinking about Florida right now no we are there they are they are looking at a, a category five liberal hoax is about to hit <laughs> uh, no this this is serious if you are watching me in Florida stop <laughs> get the fuck out right now no seriously this is you know this is really serious stuff there and not just that hurricane. There are three hurricanes lined up. Irma in Florida, Jose in the Caribbean, and Katia coming to Mexico. I'm just saying, uh, if you're a coke smuggler, take the weekend off. This is, <laughs> this is not a good time to be out. And, uh, and these are, like, uh, they say this Irma's the most serious storm ever. Like, uh, I'm seeing colors on the hurricane maps I- I've never seen before. Here's, here's a little guide. If you see yellow, like Trump's hair... Take extra care. (laughs) If you see orange like his face, (laughs) shelter in place. And (laughs) red like his ties to Russia, just evacuate now. (laughs) Uh, uh, Now, it's about to hit Florida this storm, but Trump says not to worry. Uh, we are completely prepared. The National Guard is in place. FEMA is well supplied. Uh, Melania has her stilettos on. <laughs> I-, I call them flood me pumps. <laughs> Got the flood me pump. Uh, but you know the. <laughs> The people in Florida can take solace in the fact that they will soon get a visit from Donald Trump, the comforter-in-chief, they're calling him. They, because, you know, when I think of comfort and empathy and warm, fuzzy feelings, uh, nobody comes to mind like Donald Trump. He's, he's a snuggy in human form, this guy. Did, <laughs> did you see him in Houston? Uh, he, he brought the first lady. I, I've never seen a president do that. He brought a date to a flood. <laughs> Uh, And, of course, his fans loved it. They thought he was very brave to face uh, his greatest nemesis of the last 30 years, wind. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I tell you who did not look too good there in Houston was Mr. Uh, Pastor, I should say, uh, Joel Osteen. You know this guy? He wouldn't... He's got a mega church. He wouldn't let people shelter in his church during a storm, Mr. Christian. And this church, boy, talk about mega. It seats 17,000 people. And on Sunday, he fills it up three times. He preaches to 52,000 people. The Catholics are like, wow, we're molesting the wrong people. <laughs> this... <laughs> oh, speaking of molesting the wrong people. 
this week, with North Korea exploding a hydrogen bomb and these weather catastrophes all over the country, who does Trump go after? The Dreamers. <laughs> you saw this? The... He, he threatened to end the program we refer to as DACA. People don't know what that stands for. It's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Says the same thing on my condoms. <laughs> but, uh... I pointed like I'm wearing one now. (laughs) I don't trust you people. I'm wearing a condom. No. (laughs) DACA is the uh, the program that President Obama started to allow the children of undocumented immigrants who have never known any other country and to stay here. They spent their entire lives in this country. They're they're so Americanized. Their car horns play Taylor Swift. (laughs) You know what I was trying to say. It's the condom. It's the fucking man. <laughs> no, but they're leading very productive lives, more than most people. But the, over 90% are employed. A lot of them are in the military. They're very well educated. They, all, they almost all believe in climate change. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah this is so interesting. Uh, climate change. The, the deniers all have beach houses in the way of... No, this, did you read this? All in the way of the storm. Trump, Rush Limbaugh, and Coulter, the Koch brothers, all have houses that are going to be wiped out, probably. I'm not gloating. <laughs> it's just an inconvenient truth. I'm not trying to... No, Trump has a $28 million compound on the island of St. Martin's, and it looks like it's going to get completely wiped out. Today, he said, darn, that's where I keep my tax returns. (laughs) But, you know, even though everything that scientists said was going to happen that the waters were going to get warmer and it's going to soup up the storms and that Irma's the worst storm ever and Harvey was a 500-to-1 shot and they've had three three years in a row with 500-to-1 shots, the right-wingers are still, no, we can't blame climate change. Yes, I agree. My theory is it has something to do with Hillary's emails. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I'm not... Rush Limbaugh has been telling his listeners all week that Irma is a liberal hoax to promote their climate change agenda, but that he had to evacuate his house. (laughs) Which, for Rush, has got to be a tough pill to swallow, but if anybody knows about swallowing pills... All right, we got a great show. S.C. Cup and Adam Gopnik are here, and a little later we'll be speaking with author and Earth Guardian Tezcott Martinez. But first up, he went viral as the undecided voter in the red sweater who questioned both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton at the presidential debate last year. Please welcome Ken Bone is back with us. Ken, great to meet you. You wore the sweater. Thank you. I could not wear it. I know, no. I, I requested you. That, that is your symbol. And I know you... I've read your tweets this week. I know you wonder why you're here. Uh, yeah, for sure. I've wondered why this whole thing happened. Well, you became sort of emblematic as the independent voter. You were at that, that famous debate, and it was all independents who hadn't made up their mind. And to me, you're a gettable voter. I'll be honest with you. I, I have a, a dog in this fight. I want to convince you that okay. you should have voted for Hillary instead of Godzilla. <laughs> well, I didn't... I'll tell you that much. I didn't vote for Godzilla. 
I didn't vote for Jill oh. Stein either. Not, not Godzilla and not Jill Stein. But well, I'm not are you going to reveal who you did vote for? No, I'm waiting for my book deal to come through. <laughs> Is that true? No, oh. not at all. I, pr- I promised before the election that I wouldn't say who I voted for, because like it or not, we're obsessed with celebrities in this country, and even like an F-list celebrity like me, people put stock in my opinion, and it's not fair to the democratic process if I tell them what to believe. Now, like, you're, you're an informer. That is your job to inform people, educate them, entertain them. I'm a random dude that works at the power plant. People don't need to be informed by me. Who did you vote for? <laughs> That was a wonderful speech, Ken, but who did you vote? I'm not leaving. I'm not going to leave here at the... You're not getting out of California, my friend. It's only an hour show, Bill. Uh, really? Okay, but you, you didn't vote for Trump, so you voted. You, must, you didn't vote for Jill Stein. You didn't vote for uh, fucking Aleppo, dude, did you? I voted for either Johnson or Clinton or Trump. You know, one of the big three. Well, the big two and then the one. Okay, all right. Well, you keep your secrets, Ken. Uh, but... I wanted to have you here because you are what I call a gettable voter. You're, you're not totally in the Trump camp at all. I think there are things that you don't like about him at all. And yet it, it puzzles me that, that you were still undecided that late and you still don't want to tell us who you wanted to vote for. And you're the person we need to get. And when I say me, we, I mean the Democrats, the liberals, if we want to turn this country around because I think it's on a very, very bad path. What path do you think the country's on under Trump? Well, one of the weird things about being undecided is they ask you, like, who are you going to vote for? And that's the last human being I've ever told who I was going to vote for, was this person doing the survey to determine if I could be at the debate. And they said, how likely are you to change your mind? And I said, I don't know, you know, like two. Probably not going to change my mind, but I want to keep an open mind. They said, well, in this super polarizing election, a two out of ten likelihood of changing your mind is still undecided. So there was nobody on that stage that was above a four. But I wouldn't be like two in a million if it was Donald Trump. I can totally understand that. But Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to wait and make up my mind, you know, make my final decision, is in Canada you have an 80-day election campaign and they complain that it's too long. Right. Ours started on November 10th and it's already going again. And people are like, who are you going to vote for in 2020? I don't want to feed that fire because that turns our political process into TMZ. It creates people like me and it creates nothing but sound bites and sniping back and forth, and it doesn't help solve the issues. All right, Ken, but we... (laughs) But we paid for your effort out here. You're going to answer my questions. (laughs) I've been exposed enough to politics to know how to not answer questions. Okay, so just tell me this. What what is it about Hillary? Because Hillary Clinton's book is coming out this week, and she she made a statement this week which uh, sounded a lot like something I've said about her in the past, which is future historians, I feel, will be very puzzled at why people hated her as much as they did. I could see not liking her terribly much because she's not a great politician, but... but I mean, I've said it before. If you, if you really hate Hillary Clinton, you were molested by a real estate lady. <laughs> I I just don't get it. She's a bland centrist. This is not Che Guevara in a pantsuit. What what about her irked you so much that you were willing to just be independent until the last minute? Well, I never really hated Hillary. Like I was, you know, I'm willing to wait until the investigations come out on any charges against anybody because we're supposed to have this presumption of innocence, especially if you, you know, look like you're part of the right demographic in this country. Uh, hmm? So, uh, you know... What does that mean? 
Uh, you have a presumption of innocence if you're uh, white people, basically, according oh. to our justice system. Oh. Uh, it's supposed to be for everybody, and we're working on it. Uh, but I, I try to give that benefit of the doubt to everyone. And we have trouble extending that to uh, polarizing figures like politicians. And even someone who has moderate or centrist uh, opinions uh, relative to the Democratic Party, like Hillary Clinton, is going to be a polarizing figure, and people just want to want to jump on her. Like, uh, and Donald Trump was the master of getting people to look at her instead of look at him. Did that work on you? Uh, I try to dig a little deeper. You know, uh, I don't believe anything that I hear the first time. So did you think the emails were very important? Uh, it was never really a big issue to me. I was willing to let the, let the investigation play out. Okay, well, it did. James Comey got up there and he said, we looked at it, he scolded her a little bit, and he said no prosecutor would bring charges. Um, and then 10 days before the election, he brought it up again. Yeah, I thought that was a really weird move, especially since it looked for all the world like she was going to win at that point. And like, right. what are you doing? Why are you bringing this up if you don't have anything? And then it turned out he didn't have anything. So I still don't see the sense in it. Well, what about, okay, so what about Russia? I, I, I saw this, uh, uh, we were off last week, and there was a big story about a focus group that somebody did. And they had voters, even the ones who voted for Trump, very disillusioned with him. And then the guy said, uh, what about Russia? And you can say about Russia, you think it's something big, you don't think it's something big, or you can say, I don't know. And every one of the Trump people said, I don't know. Because when you watch Fox News, you don't know. Yeah. That's... They just don't report it. Where do you get your news? I try to dig as far as I can on everything. I'll, I'll get the sound bites from Fox News, and then I'll think, okay, what's wrong with this particular one? And that puts you on the track that what are we ignoring? And then you can watch your MSNBCs and kind of get, you know, you have your Trump, or you have your Fox News way over on the right, and then you have your center, and then you have your, your left-wing news, you know, they're not quite as far tilted. But they give you leads, things that are, what are we trying to ignore on both sides? So and do you, you think there is something to the Russia story? Oh, absolutely. Foreign governments have been messing with each other's political processes since we invented governments. And by sniping back and forth across the aisle on this, we're putting tools in their tool belt. If we think that Russia wasn't trying to influence the election, we're crazy. And if we think they're not going to come back and try to do it again, we're even crazier. So, so, so what about Donald Trump, who uh, has admitted to Lester Holt that he fired James Comey because Comey was looking into this and he doesn't believe it's a real story, but he's been caught lying about it time and time and time again. I mean, every week we see stuff more that shows that, yes, they were colluding with Russia. They were colluding with a foreign adversary to influence the election because it helped them. Isn't that a deal-breaker? I mean, well, at this point, we have the president that we have. You know, you can't go back and make Hillary Clinton the president. And I'm willing to let the investigation play out, but you also have to keep your eyes open because foreign governments are going to try to get in, and they're going to try to influence every election. Like, if they could come in and pick the dog catcher in my hometown in Belleville, they will. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your, what, when you look back, like, on President Obama, even President Bush, do you, do you, are you nostalgic for a time when you maybe weren't so nervous every day? No, I liked President Obama very much. Oh, you uh, did? Uh, I voted for Obama once, one of the two times. Uh, so I don't have any problem telling all you folks who I voted for in past elections, if you want to come ask me after the show. So you voted for Mitt Romney or you voted for McCain? I voted for McCain. I wasn't really a big uh, Sarah Palin person, but in the scheme of things, it only matters if John McCain was, you know, ill at the time, and he wasn't. 
so I was willing to overlook what I thought was not the greatest choice for vice president. And uh, I like John McCain. You know, he's a, a more moderate-leaning Republican. And what about, like, like this week I, I saw this quote from Donald Trump. He was talking about his new tax plan. You know, when he said, it will be the greatest tax reduction in the history of our country. Everything is always in the history. Have you noticed that? Greater than ever before. You'll see a rocket ship. You will see something happen like you've never seen before. Uh, and then... be greater than ever before for me is if, like, if the government wants to come and take my money, they're going to. But if, like, if I had to label myself, I'd be a libertarian. Uh, but I don't care about if everybody smokes weed or not, so I don't register with the party. But if you want to... Uh, Live, the way, you live your life the way you want to live it, go ahead. If you want the government to stay out of your life, that's great. But when the government comes and takes our money, and they're going to, let's spend it a little more responsibly. Let's not worry about giving tax breaks to the very richest people who aren't missing that money in the first place because we've proven that that money doesn't trickle down to me in the upper middle class. It doesn't trickle down to my mom who's unemployed. So maybe we keep their money and we use it for something good. You're, you're a confusing man, Ken. Because... <laughs> <laughs> to, to, listen, <laughs> to listen to you talk. And I, th- I said, you know, this is an intelligent man. This is not somebody who I don't disrespect. I think this man, you know, he, he may be independent thinking, which is good. Uh, he didn't know who he wanted to vote for up until the last minute, but he, he's a smart guy. I, I don't see why it was that difficult a choice. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to ask you one more time. Uh, <laughs> why it was such a difficult choice, because uh, it seemed like this one man is, is preposterously unfit for office, and the other lady, uh, maybe not the best candidate, but, but certainly would have been a, put us in a better place. Well, I promised myself I would wait until after the, uh, the debates to lock in my choice, because there's, where there was news coming out every day, more about one than the other, but there was news coming out every day. And by the time I cast my vote, I was very confident in it. I, I was no longer even a shade of undecided. And that's about as much as I can tell you. <laughs> Thank you, Ken Bone. Ken Bone, the voice of independent America. I appreciate you coming out here. All right. Thank you, Ken. Let's meet up. <laughs> Harder to get down than some pros. All right. Let's meet our panel. He is an award-winning staff writer at The New Yorker, whose latest book is At the Stranger's Gate, Arrivals in New York. Adam Gopnik back with us. Hey, Adam, how you doing? And she is the host of SE Cup, Unfiltered, which airs Monday through Thursday at 7 Eastern on HLN. We saw her grow up on this show. SE Cup, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, I want to remind people, people forget, we are live, like live, live. It is a little after 7 here on the West Coast, a little after 10 on the East Coast. So this storm has not really hit Florida yet, and as this show re-airs over the next few days on HBO, uh, we're going to see some horrible pictures there from Florida, and people are going to die. So we are taking it very seriously. We, we We have sympathy and we have seriousness for this. But I also hear a lot of the Republicans say, it's funny to say, they say me after a a shooting, they always say, not the time to talk about guns. Mm -hmm. And after this, not the time to talk about climate. Well, I'm sorry, this is the time to talk about climate. And I have a simple question. If you're going to accept federal aid for a storm, shouldn't you also accept the science on climate change? (laughs) The audience says yes. (laughs) 
A dissenting opinion, as he <laughs> Um, Look, I feel like the, the word de- denier is, is a bit loaded. I think you have to be allowed to ask questions. The basis of scientific inquiry, asking questions about stuff. And so to say, well, I, d- I don't know if hurricanes cause or are caused by climate change. Every scientist I read this week said they don't cause them, but they're probably making them more intense. We just don't actually know yet. I think it's okay to say that. I believe in climate change. I believe it has human causes. But I still want the right to ask questions. And I think when, when, when people shout down... What question, do we, what, what, what question are we asking, though? What question is, need, is still out there? What, what part of the human roots of climate change are responsible for creating intenser storms. I think that's a question that is unanswered by science. All the scientists I read this week no. do not have the, that answer. The basis that's of right. scientific... No, it is right. They don't. I, yeah, Jason I Stamen now. I'm gonna, I, can, I can tick off climate change scientists. You can tick me said, off. <laughs> easily, right. I'm sure. No. Easily, I'm sure. But the, here's what that, I worry about. Here's what I worry about. Not, when you say that's not true, it's not you true. are only emboldening oh, irresponsible oh, blowhards like Rush Limbaugh. You oh. don't want to do no, that. No, wait a second. No, wait a second. Hold you on a second. You don't want to do that. I, I don't live but, my life by right. what I might make Rush Limbaugh get mad at. The basis... No, the but basis you don't want his 20 million see, listeners to believe him more easily because you're over here saying... Those you're not allowed to think. Those listeners are lost. I'm working the, on Ken Brown. Right. The right. basis of scientific... I'm trying to help you out. The basis <laughs> of scientific inquiry is asking questions. The result of scientific inquiry is having answers. Right. This is a subject on which we now have answers. There you go. We as long ago as to... Excuse me, see. We, we have, have the important the answers. answers. We have all, all the answers, answers we need now, on climate change? Yes, yes we do. If we do. As long ago as 2006. Let me talk about what scientists know. In 2006, as long ago as that, there was in Science, one of the leading journals, there was a, a paper saying what will happen if this continues is that you will have an immediate um, uh, backflow between uh, warming oceans and the increasing hurricanes. Right. They made a very highly specific prediction, yes. which turned out to be absolutely true. I'm sorry, That's what how we know to be true? that the prediction that as the oceans warmed, you would have more and more severe hurricanes. Exactly. We ju- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We just went through an unprecedented 12-year gap. No, that of is no that is, cat three hurricanes sitting landfall. Oh, see, this is that is bad science. Good science is saying that's just, what's happened. That's just bad that's reporting. That's a fact. Right. It's no, not. It simply isn't a fact. What is the truth of it, it is? Oh, is I that can't beginning wait until people 19- watch this back. And what fact is check. true is that from 1970 on, yeah, I say that every week. Growing, <laughs> you've had an endlessly growing cycle of more and more severe hurricanes, and science has not only made that prediction. They have a mechanism. They have a way of explaining why that is the case. Well, and that's what makes science well, different. Also, here. From ideology. And there is no... The science is settled. What the science is... Science... science, Here's the mistake. Science is never settled, but science can be extraordinarily strong. And in the case of global warming and climate change... It can be settled. What? It can be settled in the sense of... Oh, you disagreeing. No, no, no. Science is never permanently settled because there's always new facts and new arguments. But science can be extremely strong. I don't think they're going to repeal the law of gravity. What? But we understand gravity in new ways. Settled. We understand gravity in new ways. That's, that's pretty settled. That's for me. And evolution, I think, is kind of settled. Evolution is settled, but okay. evolution, but the theory of evolution is always open to amendment and to revision. What is settled now <laughs> is, is sure, we didn't know anything about genetics as recently as 50 years ago. We didn't understand how genetics worked. So we added that okay. to the but picture. Let of me give you the. Here, just 
uh, uh, my case. <laughs> a, this, this flood that we just had in Houston, a 500-year flood. Now, people misinterpret what that means. Right. A 500-year flood is an event that has a 1 in 500 chance of happening. Mm. Okay, it's not once every 500 right. years. 1 in 500 chance. Mm-hmm. Right. Very slim. Houston had one of those three years in a row. Mm. This is like if you had a big wheel with 500 numbers, and it came up on number 37 three times in a row. But you also know that Houston's, the city planning and the flood, the floodplain makes flooding in Houston a right, huge problem. Right, but that has nothing to do, that has nothing to do, nothing to do with, with, nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about, about. the storm. Um, How does what, it not? Not what happened when it landed. happened after right. the, the hurricane that's right. started. That's a different it's issue. What happened, it's what caused the I mean, that's a good... That's a good here's the thing okay. I don't understand, Essie. I really genuinely don't understand mm-hmm. it. There should be no more politics of climate change right. than there are politics of bubonic plague. Who, who, we recognize... Who, who, who injected politics? We recognize... You said a moment ago, and you have the entire Republican Party saying over and over again that we don't know... Climate is we about the don't know everything. That has nothing to do with politics. We don't politics. need to know everything to know what's vital to do. We don't have to know everything to know what we need to do. Okay. There shouldn't be a political debate about this. I it's agree. not an ideological I question. Didn't well, good raise well, politics. because the way everybody well. know because the Republican Party and Donald Trump are all insisting that we don't right. know. But Only the Republican Party happening. and Donald okay. Trump aren't sitting here. I am, and right. I didn't raise I politics. Uh, all right, all right. Well, but we're arguing about what's happening out in the actual world but, in which events are transpiring, right? Not just about what's happening. But only only nine percent of Republicans are confirmed believers in, in human climate change. Right. That's a pretty slim number for a major political did, party. Did I start this conversation I'm, by saying I'm not I believe in I'm climate not, change? Uh, yes, and then you hedged, but okay. I did uh, hedge. I, I'm allowed to have questions. It is the antithesis. No, okay, it, you are allowed to, to have you some are not allowed questions. To ask no, I, I couldn't agree more okay. about that, okay. but, but, uh, but some things are settled. Some but, things you can't. Got it. Right. Okay. All right. But this you know what? One. But here's the thing. is right. This gravity evolution. Evolution, those three. Change, Let's right. put those three right in the bin. Gravity. Now I have the list. Okay, Gravity, great. Evolution, uh, <laughs> climate change. So, but here's the thing, is that you were saying a moment ago, look, we mustn't antagonize Rush Limbaugh's listeners. But we That's not what in, I said at all. Our job is I to educate. Them. I antagonize them every day. But our job is to educate Rush Limbaugh's listeners, and we can only educate them on the basis of evidence and argument. Yes, and that's I something agree. that we should all I, I agree, take but I think in. that some of the, some well, of, some of the emotion gets in the way, and my fear is that it makes it easier for his listeners to believe him when he fear-mongers on hyped hurricanes, something that I argued with him about. I said it's irresponsible and It's a bad idea to become emotional about the survival of the planet. That's one of those things in which you should... We're not going to get anywhere here. This this is an argument. I I, I know the argument you're giving, because I hear it a lot, which is like, you know, Bill, it doesn't do any good to call those people stupid. To which I always say, then stop acting stupid. Right, right. I, 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 you know, I, it's the chicken has to Keep come before Keep the doing egg. That. Keep yes. doing no, that. But, but, it, but if you don't, if you don't believe, now, you, you said that the, it's a little bit out of the science, but uh, uh, three years ago, James Powell did a study of all the science papers written on climate change that year. There was 10,853. Two dissented. Hmm. So two out of 10,853. You have to be some kind of arrogant to not be a scientist at all and look at a figure like that and go, what the fuck do they know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what about, what about this other issue that you started to bring up, which is that the, these, these 
places that got flooded, like Texas, okay, um, they have a, a, a low tax base, so yeah. the federal government bails them out. Um, their governors, their legislators, they don't believe in climate science. Um, it seems like the responsible folks in this country, the people with the <laughs> pay a little more taxes and the people who believe in climate change, are bailing out the people who hate government except when they need government right. when they're in trouble. Right. We, that seems a little unfair. We all noticed how quickly Ted Cruz changed yeah. the politics of uh, I mean, of hurricane rescue when it was his people involved. Listen, suddenly socialism place, right, is not such a bad idea when, they're, when, they're, when you're standing right. in toxic flood right, water. Exactly. You'll take an umbrella from the government when you are being rained on. The, I, it seems to me here's the thing: is this whole situation makes a rational case for government that everyone can agree on. They started building dikes in Holland a thousand years ago because they were constantly being inundated with floods. And fortunately, they didn't have people saying, oh, well, we mustn't have dikes because those are big government projects. They built dikes and they saved the country and and then allowed them to go on. So that's the kind of project that distinguishes our country. If there's anything that we should be proud of, it's our tradition of civil engineering. And civil engineering can go a very long way in reducing the consequences of, of these kinds of disasters, and we should, that should not be, again, be an ideological controversy. That should be simply a question of pragmatic politics. Okay. So, anyway, there is a, um, there is a big benefit concert that's going to happen in the next few days. It's on a lot of networks, including HBO here. Uh, Barbara Streisand and Beyonce are on it. So it's a, talk about an A-list event. Big-time stuff. And, you know, whether it's a benefit concert or any kind of concert, whenever stars show up to give a performance, they always have what is called a rider, which means a list of things you want uh, backstage. Like, I think it was... Was it Van Halen that famously wanted the brown M&M's out of the... You know, M&M, but no brown (laughs) M&M's. I have a rider. Mine's very simple. I need a a bottle of tequila and and, uh, my glaucoma medicine. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, what I found interesting was that uh, Donald Trump was going to be at this uh, event. They talked about it for a while, and then they said, well, but if he comes, <laughs> none of the performers will show up. <laughs> so he's not coming, but they had to get his writer. So we got a hold of Donald Trump's writer. Would you like to see what's in uh, He's got a writer, too, yeah. For example, uh, in Donald Trump's writer, two large ceramic panthers... Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm making this up. It's a bit. But it seems... <laughs> it could be. It could be <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, one jar of Max Factor theatrical makeup in the shade Rotten Papaya. <laughs> See, this is Donald Trump's writer. It's uh, 12 cans Helene Curtis ultimate old hair cement. <laughs> Uh, Two boxes of Depends adult diapers, size 48, in case any incontinent fat people show up. Uh, Cokes, regular and diet. Uh, Nazis, regular and neo. Wow, that's... (laughs) He's got quite a writer. Uh, A coffin filled with Melania's native earth. Well, I mean, it's gonna... One enthusiastic black man with crazy yellow eyes and a misspelled sign. Well, that guy, he's with him everywhere. Uh, A bucket of Tic Tacs. Oh, fuck, we know what that's for. Uh, No brown M&Ms. And then he says Muslims and Mexicans. He's obviously... (laughs) 
uh, a heated toilet within reach of a cell phone charger. <laughs> he does poop tweet a lot. He does. Uh, one real red working fire truck, <laughs> the kind that goes vroom vroom. <laughs> and one dark corner for Melania to weep. Okay. <laughs> He is a climate activist and author of We Rise, the Earth Guardian's Guide to Building a Movement that Restores the Planet. You Texcott Martinez is back with us. Shoo! Shoo! How are you? Great to see you again. Happy I think, to be here. I know. I think you're still our youngest guest. You were yes. our young. Are you? Are you've checked still. this out. Okay. All right. They, that's what they told me, anyways. I think so. Yes. We don't. We don't have. They're not a children's show. Mm. So. Uh, and that. and you were here last time. You were talking about the lawsuit. You and 21 other uh, mm. young people filed a lawsuit. I think it's a great idea. Saying, you know, uh, the right the right to breathe good air mm -hmm. should be ours. And a uh, federal judge ruled in your favor. It's going forward now, mm -hmm. right? So congratulations. What's going to happen now? So, I think one thing to note that's incredibly important is that I think one of the biggest problems we've made as a, as a planet, as a community, is depending on our politicians to do things for us. When, as constituents, we also have to be a part of that process. Yeah. Especially as young people, when our futures, our futures are so directly connected to the way that we address climate change that we have to be at the forefront of the conversation, but we've traditionally been left out. So we are demanding the federal government to protect us from the adverse impacts of climate change. There was a motion to dismiss filed by the federal government and by the fossil fuel co corporations. Um, after two different judges, federal judges reviewed the case, the motion to dismiss, they denied it. So now we are going to be going to trial on February 5th against the Trump administration, demanding that they uphold the, our constitutional rights as American citizens to a yeah. And where do you see uh, where do you see this going? I mean, what is the end result that could happen from this? So, best case scenario is we win the lawsuit, um, and the top climate top climate scientists we've worked with top climate scientists to put together a climate recovery plan that is science based evidence that will shape the way that we address climate change in this nation, doing massive reductions of greenhouse gases annually until we get back to a safe level of, of, of CO2 and greenhouse gases in the atmosphere that is no longer threatening and creating climate change. So it's a, it's a big dream and a big vision. But I think that to even have that conversation and the fact that our lawsuit has gone this far is incredible because it's not just about the science, it's the stories. Each one of these young people is being affected by climate change. The youngest plaintiff in this lawsuit lives in Florida and he's going to be affected by the hurricanes that are coming through. You know, so for us, it's more than scientists, it's more than science, it's more than law, it's more than politics, it's our stories and it's our future. And you talk a lot about the fact that it is not just cars and planes that cause the pollution. Mm -hmm. It's the way we eat. Definitely. It's a lot about the food. I don't, I think, I've talked about it myself many times. Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize cows mm -hmm. do more damage than cars, mm -hmm. if you want to just put it on a bumper sticker. Definitely. And people got to recognize that. And so for something like, for an example, when, when Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Accords, you know, that is something that Everyday people don't necessarily have a say in, right? You know, as far as a massive impact on the way that we move forward in addressing climate change. But we eat three meals a day, and every single one of those is an opportunity to make a choice for or against our future, for or against a healthy climate. You know, so for people out there, understanding the impact that eating meat and dairy has on our planet is incredibly critical uh, to Can, can you explain a little why it's so bad for the planet? So industrialized agriculture is... <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, at that first I felt like a parent. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Dad. It's, it's just so massive. <laughs> you know, so... Okay, don't. <laughs> so the but book, do your homework and then take out the garbage. Come on. So the book, the book that I just wrote, wrote, We Rise, which 
is now going to people all over the country, has a really, a really good section about food justice. So I definitely recommend you buying the book and <laughs> reading about it there. But really, I think looking at industrialized agriculture and the impact that we have as far as methane uh, escaping from cows, they fart and they burp methane, as well as the massive amounts of land and forest that needs to be cleared right. to grow soy That's... and corn that they feed to the cows, the amount of water that is wasted, the amount there. of transportation that there goes go. through. It's, it's a whole thing. So, so, it's a whole thing. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> what did you think of uh, Trump uh, wanting to pull out of DACA? My now, you're a life, native. You're partly, I mean... Yeah, yeah, Mexican. My know, whole family for, is Mexican. You know? Right. And um, for, for me, immigration has been an incredibly important issue. But I mean, for, even for more life. native than that. You're partly Aztec, right? Exactly, exactly. You were so, here before any of these white motherfuckers got here. True, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before Spain came through. <laughs> for us, um, I think it's, it's looking at the demographic of people in this, in this nation and saying you don't have a right to be here. You know, when... when it comes to that. I think it's it's besides the politics. It's it's about our stories and it's about the youth. You know, it's about about the young people here, um, the people that came through um, to this nation to seek a better life. You know, and even for them, it, it wasn't even their choice in a lot of instances. So I think that we have this responsibility. You see that after he made that decision, there were it, people were furious all over the nation, taken to the streets, taken to social media because we realized that our president isn't going to stand up for the rights of these people. And in many ca cases, when we look at the action he's taken on climate change uh, and the action he's taken towards uh, minority communities, he's not standing up for the people of this country. And that's something where we have to fight back in our streets and in our courts. And that's you and I have got a smoke. <laughs> we gotta, got to smoke a bone with Ken Bone after the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be okay. So uh, you are... Now, you're 17, right? Okay, so you're not a millennial. No. Okay, so you... Uh, what? No, I... <laughs> Discriminating. I have great hope for your generation <laughs> because the millennials, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of them come to my shows and I love these people because, you know, they're fighting against, I think, what is the tide of their generation, which is a lot about trigger warnings mm -hmm. and safe spaces and microaggressions and usually one generation backlashes against the next. So please tell me your generation is going to take a flamethrower to that bullshit. <laughs> Because I don't know how they got so fragile, these millennials. But you got to put some steel back in. We're going to have to be really resilient. For there you go. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this. Also, Hillary's book is coming out. Um, mm. I, I read this <laughs> quote from her. Um, my first instinct, she's talking about the campaign when, back when my campaign was hit hard uh, by the Comey, she's talking about the Comey right. letter. Uh, was that he had overstated his bounds. Uh, my team raised concerns if I was confrontational. We decided we'd better to just let it go and to move on. Uh, looking back, that was a mistake. She said the same thing at the Ken Bone debate. Right. Remember, she said, uh, we saw that a few weeks ago, the, the, the little excerpt that said, you know, when Trump was stalking me, I thought about turning around and saying, back off, creep, and I didn't. This, to me, is why the Democrats are in such a bad place. They think of the right thing to do that would take balls and then don't do it. And, and then write a book about it. And, and, and say, I wish I had done it, right. but I didn't. Well, and this is why these people... Yeah, I'm the, sorry. The, the, the very title of Hillary's book, What Happened, is though it was some passive thing that happened to her, <laughs> rather than the book should have been called What the Fuck Did I Do Wrong? Yeah, right, That's right. what Hillary Clinton should have written. Right. 
teaching. Yeah. And it seems to me that allowing that Hillary, this is stuff you say to your therapist. It's not stuff you <laughs> inject into country. She's simply a wonderful woman and yes, a terrific is. Secretary of State and the world's most unskilled politician. She has no natural political instincts. And what's infuriating is and that's she should have learned them. she should have learned that in 2008 when she ran against Barack Obama. And if she'd had insight, genuine insight, she should have said, you know what? I'm good at a lot of things. I'm not good at this. But it's not just her. I mean, I feel like this is most of the Democratic Party. This is why I despair so much about ever winning an election again. Because I feel they have this recessive gene about how to play politics. They have no idea how to go for the jugular. Could I read what Dianne Feinstein, who is a fine senator we've had here since 1992, she said last week, she asked about Trump, I just hope he has the ability to learn and change. She said this last week, and if he does, he can be a good president. No, he can't, and he won't. I mean, this... this, this, She said, I think we have to have some patience. No, we don't. I mean, this level of civility was appropriate 30 years ago. This is not the country we're living in anymore. This is not going to cut it. But Mitch McConnell and the Republicans could be utterly refuse any kind of compromise on anything with Barack Obama, a man of absolute centrist pragmatic instincts, and the Democrats can't make the same kind of hold the same kind of line against Donald Trump. We saw it this week with the Democrats going in and negotiating with Trump and imagining that they were getting something. You can't negotiate with a sociopath. The sociopath will always win. Um, There's simply that you imagine Donald Trump has betrayed and lied to everyone who has ever negotiated with him from everything from a hotel carpet to a nuclear weapon. And to imagine that you're going to be able to play him is totally delusional. Uh, I think, well, I think, one, <laughs> I think, I think Democrats did get something out of, yeah, out of that, this deal. They screwed Republicans. Right. And, yeah. and that was, that was a win for them. And I think probably for Donald Trump, too, because he's pretty pissed with, with, with Republican inaction. But I just, to, to, to the Hillary, to the Hillary point, this book felt like she was, she was going back and saying, if I had just tweaked this one moment, maybe I could have sewn it up. Right. Like, if I had just done this one moment differently, maybe I could, have, right. I could have gotten there. And, of course, that's not true. This was years in the making and years of failures here and there and years of, right. you know, the ascendance of, of, of Trump and, and, and all of that. But I, I agree. It feels like it was like she's, she's in the five steps of, of grief and we have to go through it with her. And I don't want to go through her, her, her bargaining and her anger and her acceptance and her denial and her depression. That's something no, that should I, happen I, in private. I, I mean, I think she would have been a fine president, yes. but it is time to get yeah. into Winnebago and visit all right. the diners on Route 66. Right. Yes. Or whatever older white people do. Yes, exactly. go to all the Cracker Barrels. Right. I, listen, I, mean, I agree. But let me just come back to one thing you said, Essie, which is, oh, it was a good week for Trump the Democrats. This is exactly the kind that. of... Stop well, putting words in my well, mouth, well, please. You, you said this was a good... The Democrats won something here, and Trump won yes. something as well. And that's only possible to think if you see the world in this insanely narrow margin of who won the week, who did well, and you fail to see the scale of the national emergency that having a sociopathic liar like... Well, how about, how about the office is? Okay. I didn't right. vote for Trump. Yeah, I don't fail right. to okay. see it. Right. But, but let me just, let I me just point out... I want to emphasize the emergency said, we're in. You said, I'm aware. Okay. But, okay. but you said... You said... Democrats didn't get anything from Trump. I simply pointed right. out they this actually is, did. Yeah, that's a different show. Right. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Russia while we have a few minutes. Because, I mean, this, just yes, was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. The president's eldest yeah. son, Scott Disick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe he's a Porsche dealer. Um, 
met and, and said that he was having this meeting, after he had said he did it because they wanted to talk about adoptions, right. he said he was having this meeting now because he, uh, he was vetting Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I just wonder when people are going to wake up to the fact that when the Republicans say, well, yes, we did X, but heavens to Betsy, we certainly didn't do Y, they always did Y. Yes. Right, right, right. right. And, and I don't know where it's going to end, but what we right. saw today, the, the story in the New York Times today, about this troll farms yeah. in Russia, uh, you know, it was, uh, for a long time it was, well, at least they didn't directly affect the election. They really yeah. directly yes. affected the election in so Something many ways. Like Something like a 30% um, uh, market share that this, this reached, these ads on Facebook right. reached right. because Facebook is so powerful and, and uh, omnipresent. And it really cuts to the larger, the larger issue of the fake news and the mistrust, the distrust in all of these institutions from the press to the democratic process to Congress to elections. It's a huge, huge problem. It, it, and we have to, we have to fix right. it at its core because that's what lets someone like Trump come in, take advantage of the fear, the paranoia, the skepticism in all of these institutions. If we had more faith in these institutions, there wouldn't be any oxygen for someone like Trump to come in and, and, and fearmonger on, on, all of oh. that, on all of that stuff. So, it's, so it's, it is absolutely crucial that we all, in whatever capacity we can, in the press or in, in, in media, um, and certainly for Facebook, Number one job is to restore our trust and our faith in all of these institutions so that someone like Trump in the future can't come in and prey on wow, all of those fears quite, and skepticism. Uh, well, wait, again. I, I, here's the problem. Here's the problem for you with that. Essay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully... It, who wouldn't applaud right. with that, but no, it's so right. general. Right. Like, right. What, so what is you're the... making it sound systemic when it was totally specific. It wasn't that there was some uh, general malaise uh, in our culture. It was that mm. Vladimir Putin sent his emissaries out to subvert the election, right. not on, out of general mischief, but on behalf of Donald Trump. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. And he did it as part of Putin. Putin did it as part of a larger ideological program, did the same thing in Britain during Brexit, tried to do the same thing in right. France when Macron was running. It's because he has an yes. ideological and program. the people who yes. watch right. Fox News, like I was saying yeah. to right. Ken, they don't even know this Russian right. thing exists. This, right. There is a couple yeah. of ways you can lie. One is outright lying. One is by omission. Mm -hmm. right. By just not reporting yeah. it. Yeah. When, they, when that focus group asked yeah. those people, what do you think about Russia? Don't know. Never heard of it. Right. Doesn't exist in my world. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's dangerous. Thank you, panel. I got to go to no role. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I realize I'm way over time here. Okay, okay, here we go. Hurry up. All right, Neural Puppets. <laughs> Neuropopular science has to ease up on the clickbait headlines. Perfect segue. I know you want people to visit your website, but you can't call a story, Uranus is probably full of giant diamonds. <laughs> and you know what? The only way you'd know if Uranus was full of giant diamonds is if you went to your doctor for constipation and he said, I've got good news and bad news. <laughs> Thank you, Chu. <laughs> Neural, everyone who was stunned when Joel Osteen refused to open his megachurch to hurricane victims has to tell me what they ever liked about Joel Osteen to begin with. I'm not surprised that he locked his doors. I'm shocked he didn't fight his way onto a lifeboat in a dress. <laughs> oh, 
Here's how you know your minister is probably a con man. If he makes this face, he's lying. <laughs> Either that or his anus is full of giant diamonds. I don't know. Neural, someone has to tell octogenarian Indiana couple Ray and Wilma Yoder, who recently completed their decades-long quest to eat at every Cracker Barrel restaurant in America, we get it, you're white. Neural, now that Hollywood actress Julianne Davis has come out on Fox News as a conservative and Trump supporter, I'm going to need a few weeks to process this. I'm shocked. Julianne Davis, conservative? The Julianne Davis? (laughs) (laughs) Cynthia in the film House of Nine? Polygraph expert in an episode of Unusual Suspects? The voice of Sally Gardner in the Focus on the Family radio production of Little Women? That Julianne Davis? Jeez, you think you know a person. (laughs) Neural, someone has to tell the makers of the movie It about a painted-up clown who scares the shit out of everybody. You're a little late. And finally, new rule, fuck fees. When did the American business model switch from honestly selling you a product to tricking the consumer who doesn't read the fine print? Late fees, rebooking fees, restocking fees, roaming fees, overdraft fees, cancellation fees. Fees because you forgot to say Simon Says. (laughs) My credit card has a maintenance fee. For what? It's a piece of plastic in my wallet. (laughs) So like someone from Citibank comes by once a month to water it. (laughs) You ever wonder, why is my cell phone contract longer than a Stephen King novel? Because it was written by Rumpelstiltskin. If you forget to turn off data roaming and you go to Vancouver for the weekend, Verizon gets to keep your children. (laughs) This is the new way we do business, and it's all based on the cynical premise of you fucking up. That they can wear you down, confuse you, or count on you to forget. Take something as... Simple as gift cards. They look like an easy and convenient way to say, I wanted to buy you something, but I just barely give a shit. (laughs) But almost a third of the people who received gift cards never used them. It's a bet between you and Red Lobster that even when it's free, you still don't want to eat Red Lobster. Same thing with gym memberships. Only 18% of Americans who join a gym wind up actually using it. The rest go twice a year, the way Catholics go to Mass. (laughs) And again, it's a bet between consumers of gym memberships who are saying, 
This is the year I get off my ass and get in shape. I know I can do it. And the owner of the gym, who's saying, well, I know you can't, you lazy loser. <laughs> You'll come here three times in January, and then I'm done with you for the rest of the year. Thanks for the free money. Enjoy your hot pocket. <laughs> Because in America, a fuck-up is our best customer. <laughs> Credit card companies are based wholly on that premise, that you, the consumer, want something now, some crazy impulse purchase like gas, <laughs> <laughs> and you think you'll be able to pay for it before the interest kicks in. And for people who want to get screwed even harder than the credit card companies do it? Oh, yes, there's payday loans. <laughs> the average interest rate they charge in Colorado is 129%. If an actual loan shark charged that much, you'd break his legs. <laughs> and 129% is the low end. Yeah, tied for second highest are South Dakota and Wisconsin, where it's okay to charge 574%. The highest is Idaho, where it's not even a number. They just cut out your organs and sell them on eBay. <laughs> but hey, don't worry, payday loan victims. As soon as Trump passes his tax reform, you'll be cashing your checks at a casino in Monte Carlo. I'm kidding. You'll be cashing them outside a casino in a Monte Carlo. <laughs> now, uh, any discussion of fee-fucking... <laughs> a new term I'm coining. Fee-fucking the customer would be incomplete without mentioning the airlines, who are always bitching about their costs. You know, the price of jet fuel and unions and... Planes <laughs> as a justification for their fees. You know what? If I want to hear a crying baby never shut up, I'll fly your shitty airline. Great. <laughs> 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 where you charge me a fee for checking my luggage now, and another one if it weighs too much, and a fee for wanting to talk to a human on the phone. You want a blanket? Fee! <laughs> you want to fly inside the plane? Fee! <laughs> if Sully landed on the Hudson today, they'd charge a life vest fee. <laughs> it can cost $200 just to change your ticket. Multiply that by the number of fuck-ups too hungover to make their flight out of Vegas. And you see how in America now, there's no margin for fucking up. And that applies to one other group, a group which very much depends on people fucking up in order to stay in business, the Republican Party. <laughs> it's true. Their whole game is making voting such a hassle for the people they want to keep out of the booth, that those people just give up and don't vote. That's true. Now, is doing that criminal? Yes. Should we have to jump through hoops to vote? Of course not. But life isn't always fair. So until it is, just do it. It's not impossible, especially if you're young, who vote the least and have the time. If you can stand in line for a damn phone, you can stand in line to vote. 
<laughs> if you can find the after party, you can find the polling place. If you have time to get a tattoo, you have time to get registered. Picture ID? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but you take pictures of every fucking thing in your life. <laughs> Think of it as a selfie for democracy and just do it! All right, that's our show. No overtime. I gotta go to Vegas. I'm at the Mirage tonight. How is that possible? I don't know. And then again tomorrow night, I want to thank Adam Gopnik, S.E. Cup, Chutescott Martinez, and Ken Bone. Thank you very much. Watch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.